Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day. I'd welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus. I'd like to welcome all of those in our Dream Center experience. It's great to see you at church today. I'll tell you, uh, we're continuing our series called You Make Me Crazy. But before we get there, I want to just do a shout out to uh, the Augusta University Jaguars. I'll tell you, this is March Madness. That's right. Well, hometown pride there is March Madness. They made it to the championship game. They lost it yesterday, but um, man, what an honor for our community to see a sports team uh, play on national TV and on the national stage. So shout out to all those AU grads and all those uh, folks here at the Creek that make AU happen. And so congratulations. But you know, let's go to the sermon. You know, I like to start with something funny. And I guess, let me do a little just disclaimer. If some of my jokes uh, are bad, it's, I just need new ones so you can send that to me. Um, but other, if they lean toward the elderly, it's because that's Patty and I's season right now. We're, we're dealing with parents and just, uh, we try to find laughter and humor in almost every situation. And so if we don't, we, you go crazy. And so I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the elderly couple that went to the doctor and they had a, uh, they were having memory problems. And the doctor said, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start writing down those th- everything you do right before you do them. And then maybe that would help you stay engaged. And so they said, okay, we'll do that. A few days later, they were watching television. The wife said, hey, honey, can you get me a bowl of ice cream? And he got up and headed to the kitchen. She said, wait a minute. The doctor said, you've got to write this down. He said, I'm just going to the kitchen. I'm not going to forget it. So he gets in the kitchen, he, he plays around, and then a few minutes later, he walks in with, with bacon and eggs. She looked at him, and she said, you forgot the toast. <laughs> you know, uh, I need to go on. I just need to go on. But like I said, today we're continuing our series, You Make Me Crazy. This came from an idea from HGTV. We were watching TV last summer, Breaking Bland. Mary Welch, the designer, came on and said, you know, in the South, we like to hide our crazy. And we do. But there are some folks in the South that don't like to hide their, their crazy. They just put it out for everybody to deal with. It is those kind of people that make your life crazy and make your life very difficult. And so that's why we're in this series. It is my desire in this series to help uh, add some sanity uh, to your relationship so that you can not only coexist, but you can connect at a deeper level. Now, the big idea for this is that relationships take hard work, but it's the most important work that you will ever do. Relationships take hard work, but it is the most important work that you'll ever do. When your relationships are bad, your whole life is miserable. 
But if your relationships are healthy, it just makes your life better. And I just want to help you have better relationships. For me personally, I don't know of anything that will steal my joy quicker than being in conflict with somebody. I hate conflict, and, and it seems like that when I'm in conflict with somebody, it just, it just settles on me in a very uh, difficult place, and, and you feel the same way, I'm sure, uh, because we all deal with conflict. Conflict is just a part of life. It happens at home. It happens at school. It happens at your workplace, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your family gatherings. It's just there, and because we're all different, and we have differences of opinion, and uh, we typically feel that our way is truly the best way, and, and we're frustrated when people don't see it our way. And so that opens the door for conflict to come. Our, um, and so over the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you. I want to talk to you uh, about five ways that I believe the Bible helps us deal with our conflict. Five biblical steps to resolving conflict in your life. And I realize some of you don't have any conflict right now. But in the days ahead, you will be in conflict with somebody, and I want you to remember this message. I just want you to receive because I really feel like there'll be some practical points. The verse that we're going to build the message on comes from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 17 and 18, when it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You look at this verse, and what it's saying is, that yes, you have conflict, and you need to strive to do your best to work through the conflict to come to a place of peace. But there are some situations and some people where it is virtually impossible to be at peace with us because they don't want peace. I look at those individuals, people who make peace impossible, and I just call them crazy makers because they make our lives crazy. And, you know, oftentimes we have to remind ourselves, this is not our fault. And you try to work through that, and no matter how hard you work with, to try to make peace with this individual, um, because you don't want conflict, you don't want war, you don't want all the arguments, but it happens. And I just say, do the possible. Do what you can do. Because sometimes it is impossible. Uh, and what I would say is just watch your words and uh, control what you can control. But let's just dive in and just get real practical over the next few minutes. There are five steps that you can do to help resolve conflict in your life. Here's the very first one. Take the initiative. You need to take the initiative. You need to take the first step. Uh, when there's a conflict that is brewing, don't deny you know, so many times, oh, I'm not, I don't have a problem with this. We deny or we put it off. Um, but there comes a point where we really need to deal with the issue. Because you see, problems will get worse if we don't deal with those problems. Well, you know, there's the old adage that says time heals all wounds. Well, time does help. 
But I'm telling you, those deep wounds are still there, and it's going to take more than just time to get through those deep and dark places. And so, for those of you that have been putting off dealing with the issue, maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been months, maybe for some of you it has been years, it's time for you to have that face-to-face conversation. It's time for you to deal with it to deal with it and deal with the problem. Conflicts rarely are resolved accidentally. You've got to be very intentional. And I would even say this, you've got to put it on your calendar. You've got to talk it out. Jesus tells us, uh, don't ignore it, but address it. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 23 and 24, Jesus said these words. He said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar... Um, and that you had this remembrance of a brother and sister has something against you. Now, it's interesting to me. It says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. So it says, okay, you got a conflict, you can leave church, but don't forget your offering first. Now, that's Jesus. That's not me. That's Jesus. Now, that's not me. I'm just trying to make it clear and simple. You may have conflict, but make sure to bring your tithes and offerings, Okay. It is kind of funny. Leave leave your gift there in front of... Now, you're still laughing in Grovetown. I know you are, okay? Uh, Leave your gift at the altar and says, first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift even in South Augusta, okay? And so he said, take the initiative. Take the initiative. Don't wait, but make the first move. Now, when you go do this, You're taking the initiative. There's three things I want you to consider. First of all, I want you to choose the right time. Choose the right time. Timing (coughs) is everything in conflict resolution. Timing is everything. You need to find a time that is best for both of you. Because when you go into this conversation, I want you to be at your best, and I want the other person to be at their best too. So find that right time. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time for everything, a season for everything under the sun. And so you need to work to find the right time. Choose that right time. Don't confront somebody when you're still too angry to deal with it. Okay? Don't confront somebody when you're still too angry. You're angry over this. I want you to just take a deep breath and don't confront when uh, you're too angry. Don't confront when it's simply none of your business, okay? Let that sink in for a minute. Don't confront when it is simply this is not your call, this is not your issue, this is somebody else's issue. Don't confront when it's none of your business. Uh, Don't confront when... It really should be overlooked. It is such a small issue that instead of confronting the issue, you need to extend grace in the issue because maybe you don't know what's going on on the other end. So when it is a small offense, don't make a big deal out of it. Just give grace to them. Don't confront when it's dangerous, when it's dangerous to you physically or maybe when it's dangerous to you emotionally or spiritually. Just choose the right time. 
Here's the second thing. I want you to choose the right place. We're taking this initiative. We're going to go do this. We're going to put it on our calendar. We're going to choose the right time, but we're also going to choose the right place. Maybe we need to go to a neutral place. If you have kids, you need to use this time to get a babysitter. And when you get there, you're choosing the right place. Turn off the phone. This, this conversation, you've been waiting for weeks or months to have. You don't need any distractions. Turn off the phone because you see a phone call or even a text message can be a distraction and uh, can get you off of the conversation that you're in. And you've got to realize this conversation is important. It is more important than that text message or, um, or that phone call at this particular moment. And so just think about that. Just um, turn off your phone, choose a place that's quiet enough that allows you the ability to deal with it. Now, it may need to be in a public space, especially if you feel threatened. It may need to be in the safety of a Christian counselor's office where you have somebody there to help mediate the conversation and, and help you get through the conversation so that you can just talk about it. And before you go to this meeting, you're taking the initiative. I want you to take the initiative in prayer. I want you to pray over uh, this meeting. Pray over and say, God, would you give me the words that I need to say? God, give me the words. And then also give me the grace and the ability to speak those words in a way that they will be received. So God, give me the words. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you need to say that. So pray that prayer and give you peace. Pray that the person that you're meeting with, pray for that individual. They may be uh, in crisis in another area, and it's that crisis they're dealing with that is fueling the conflict that you have. And so pray for that person and ask God to restore the relationship. Ask God to allow forgiveness to flow in the relationship. And I want you to go expecting the best. I want you to go expecting peace to be restored in the relationship. So what are we doing to resolve the conflict? First of all, we're going to take the initiative. We're going to take the first step. Here's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to confess our part, confess your part, of the conflict. I want you to confess it. The other person now, look, I realize the other person may be 99% wrong. But we're not going to, at this point, we're not going to deal with the 99%. We're going to deal with the 1%. That 1% that is your fault. And so confess it. Start with yourself. Don't start with condemning. Don't start with accusing but come into this conversation with a heart of humility. Come into this conversation considering others more important than yourself. And before you start blaming and accusing and attacking, ask yourself, look, am I the problem? Am I the one? Am I being oversensitive? Am I being defensive? Um, am I being impatient? Start looking and ask yourself those questions as you enter into this conversation so you're going to confess because what we know is, is that it is, there's no such thing as a one-person problem. There's problems on both ends, so we want to start with yourself. And when we think about family problems, 
Family problems are not a one-person problem. It becomes a, a family problem. It's our problem. It's our problem. We look at the words of James chapter 5 and verse 16. It said, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so James just said, I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to re be repentant. I want you to come and confess your sins. I mean, what if you said, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. That we're very clear that we just say, what I did was wrong. I sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? You see, peacemakers apologize when they do something wrong. Now, how do you do that? I want you to admit the specific action without making an excuse. Say, look, what I did was wrong. I didn't, it's my fault. I am sorry. And just start to apologize for the specifics. You know, I'm sorry that, how about this? I'm sorry that I belittled you in front of our friends. Please forgive me. You know, you're that specific. You don't have to say a lot of words, but you need to say the proper words and the right words. I'm sorry uh, that uh, my, I raised my voice to you in that conversation. Be that specific. I am sorry that I raised my voice to you because when I did that, I disrespected you. Will you forgive me? And it's being very clear. It's, it's being remorseful for what you have done. But also this. It's one thing to be remorseful. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I want you to take the next step, and I want you to be repentant. I want you to repent. Now, what is repentance? Repentance in the Bible is you're going in one direction. You turn around. You do an about face, and you walk in a new direction. And so in this relationship, I want you to be remorseful. I am sorry that I disrespected. I am sorry I raised my voice. I am sorry that I did this. Be remorseful, but then be repentant. Say, I'm not going to do that again and walk in a new direction. Go in a new path. Repentance is... I was wrong, I sinned, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, and I'm going to do better, okay? And so that is, I want you to confess your part. Here's the, the third one. I want you to listen to their perspective. You've, set this, you've taken the initiative, you've found that right time, that right place, you've prayed over this, you meet and you confess, I am sorry for my part in this. And let me say this. Let me go, just pause for a moment here. You may do all of that and the one percent, and you apologize, and you're sitting there on the edge of your seat waiting for them to jump in and confess for the 99% they did, and it may not happen. And you've got to understand that. This is more about you right now than it is about them. 
This is about doing what you can do. It's about you doing the possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with every. It's about you doing what you can do. Now, if they don't respond in a like manner or like you think, you just need to take a deep breath and move on. And maybe you can circle back in a later time or maybe that you've done your part and you literally have to move on. And so just think about that. But here's the third thing, and I think this will help you in this conversation. I want you to listen to their perspective. You confess and just listen to what they have to say. And as you listen to them, I want you to listen in a calm demeanor. I want you to have a calm way and and a respectful way. And, And you're listening, and I want your body language to be calm and respectful. Because you see, you can keep your mouth closed, but yet your body language is saying something uh, very uh, angry. Um, and so I want you just to, to breathe in the peace of the Lord, and I want your body language to be calm. If you will listen, I think you will be able, you'll begin to understand where that person is coming from. Just listen. You may think you know this person and you know where they're coming from, but if you'll just pause and listen to their perspective and start to hear them, you may hear some of the deep pains uh, that you didn't realize they were so deep before. And in listening to them, you're lightening their load. I want you to be patient enough to, to listen. I want you to care enough to listen And I want you to care enough to ask. You know, they come to a conversation, they unload, and then when it's natural for you to jump in and to say your side of the story, how about this? What if you just say these three words, tell me more? Just tell me more. And let them go round two. And then you may, what... You may say to them, I hear you or I'm trying to understand, can you tell me more? Let them share their needs. Let them share their perspective. James chapter 1 and verse uh, 19 says, my dear brothers, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, being slow to speak goes against everything that the culture tells you. Our culture tells us that we need to respond quickly. In fact, if a post goes up, we want to respond immediately to that post, and we want to deal with it. And so many times we respond quickly to that post, and we have not really thought through what we wanted to say or what we actually felt or feel. So I just say, take a deep breath before you hit that send button. Think about how that is going to be communicated. And maybe the person that you're sending it to understands where you're coming from. But look, you're putting this out for a group of people that do not understand where you and your friend is coming from. And you've got to understand 
how you're communicating to a larger group. So just think like that. Just be, and some of you need to write out your response and you need to step back and you need to sleep on it. And after you've slept on it and you feel rested, then read it again and see if it's appropriate for you to send. Just trying to help speak peace to our community, okay? When I think about the life of Jesus, I read this week that Jesus was asked 183 questions directly. He only answered three of them directly. But on the other hand, Jesus asked other people in the Bible 307 questions. And so Jesus was modeling to us the the importance of hearing somebody else's perspective. He's asking them, tell me about your daughter. Tell me about your son. Tell me about your brother. He's asking these kind of questions. How are they doing? He asked 307 questions. Why? Because Jesus was slow to speak. He was quick to listen. Imagine what that would do in your relationships. If you were slow to speak, trying to listen to their perspective, trying to take in, trying to understand. Imagine what it would do in your marriage that if you were quick to listen and slow to speak. What if you were quick to listen slow to speak, slow to defend, slow to get angry, willing to give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. What if that would happen? I think it would start a a new level of peace in your relationship. Okay, here's the fourth thing. We're talking about resolving a conflict. We're talking about speaking truth here. I want you to tell the truth in this conversation. I want you to tell the truth but I want you to tell the truth tactfully. I want you to tell the truth tactfully. There's a great temptation in our world to be rude to people. Just be rude. And we're rude specifically when conflict develops. We do this with our words. We do this, like I said, with our body language. Many times it is not what you say, but, but it is how you say it that is so offensive to somebody else. And so I just want to encourage you to be tactful along the way. And being tactful is that ability uh, to make a point without destroying the friendship or destroying the relationship. It's treating people like they know what they're talking about, even when they simply don't know what they're talking about. Being tactful is when you have that ability to change the subject without changing your mind. There's some of you that you're in this conversation and you know it's not going anywhere. So do everybody a favor and start navigating the conversation in a way where you're changing the subject. You don't have to change your mind. You're settled in what you believe and what you see. Just change the subject without changing your mind. That's that's using tact here. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 and 15, it gives us these words. He said, I want you to speak the truth, but I want you to speak the truth in love. And so it is so important um, 
that we tell the truth, we do it tactfully, but we do it in a way that uh, is loving and caring. And we have that responsibility in our, our relationships. But I would say we have this responsibility in our church. We have the truth of God's word. And at Stevens Creek Church, we are going to stand on the truth of God's words. We are not going to compromise our convictions. We're not going to compromise this word. We may not understand everything in it, but we have faith enough to believe that this book has withstood the times uh, for thousands of years, and in fact, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will still be here. So we're going to stand on God's word. It is the truth. It is the truth that brings freedom. We are called to live out the truth. We are called to speak the truth. But it says here we need to speak the truth in love. So therefore, we're going to love people where they are. We're not going to expect people to be just like us because they haven't been exposed to this truth. And so when we are are communicating to the broader audience and we're communicating to our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, to the world at large, we want to speak with the kindness and the love of Jesus. We want people to hear that we love them, we care about them, and they, they sincerely do matter. Because they will never... Receive the genuine truth of Jesus until the church of Jesus loves them with the love of Jesus. And this is challenging because our culture is wrestling with issues uh, that are so contrary to the scriptures. They're so contrary to creation. And so we... uh, have to deal with those and we have to speak the truth in love and be tactful when we do that. So stand on God's word, but look at individuals and understand we've got to love them like Jesus loved them. He loved people enough that he was willing to die for them. Don't compromise your conviction, but learn to communicate your conviction in a respectful, kind, loving way. If you'll do that, I believe the doors of your opportunities will open up like you never imagined. If you will learn how to care for people and how to lift up people and encourage people, you will see doors open. That's what a Paul said in Ephesians 4 and 29, said, don't let any unwholesome, t- unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, notice this, helpful for building others up, helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit, benefit those who listen. So we're going to tell the truth tactfully. We're going to be helpful. We're going to build people up. We're going to Uh, Try to bring out the best in people. So here's the fifth and final one. I want you to focus on reconciliation. We're dealing with conflict here. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. I want you to focus on reconciliation, not uh, resolution. 
Because if you're going to, now let's just talk about this. To reconcile means to reestablish a relationship. I, I want you to work toward reestablishing the relationship. That doesn't mean that you're going to resolve all your problems. We're at a place, we're just trying to reestablish because you see, you may have some legitimate, honest differences with that person. You may have some honest differences between um, uh, your spouse, husbands and wives, maybe from between bosses and employees, between men and women. We just think differently. We see things differently. And we've got to be honest with each other and, and just work to reestablish the relationship. You are not going to resolve every issue. I just want you to continue talking about it and keeping those lines of communication open. And you've got to come to the place where you can <clears throat> walk arm in arm with somebody without seeing eye to eye with them. You've got to do your part. And maybe you go into this conversation with some compromise. And you say, you know, what can we agree on? What can we do together? And start there. Let's go back to the scriptures. Romans chapter 12. Our, our, said, do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want you to do the possible, but I also want you to understand that peace always has a price. And there are times that you've got to be willing to give in. Maybe your wife is right. Maybe your husband is right. Maybe your kids are right, or maybe your parents are right. I want you to come to the place where you focus on reconciliation. You start to reestablish the relationship. And that you allow some compromise along the way. And I want you to come to the place where you're willing to schedule that peace conference. That you're willing to make that call. It is always more rewarding to resolve the conflict than it is to dissolve the relationship. It's always more rewarding to resolve the issue, to resolve the conflict, than to dissolve the relationship. Walking through these issues are going to take hard work, but you can do this. You can do this. I believe the power of the Lord is here to walk with you and to give you the words and to help you through this. But let me say this. You can't make peace with other people until, first of all, you make peace with God. You can't make peace with other people. I'll tell you, you need the help of the Lord with this. And first of all, you need to make peace with the Lord. So many times, people are conflicted. They're agitated because they're dealing with guilt and shame. They're dealing with deep-seated bitterness and anger. And they are portraying or portray, uh, that on other people. And when you're trying to deal with them, that's the problem. All of this guilt and shame and sin, all that garbage, the junk, comes out. And what they need more than anything else, they need to be healed from the inside out. 
They need the presence of Jesus to come and love them back to life and to wash their sins away and to give them a fresh start. And so many people said, oh, I would love that, but I've got so many bad things in my past. I've done so many bad things. And they, and they start working to try to make up for all the bad things they've done. Look, you don't have to do that. Jesus has already paid the price for your mistakes and your sins. He is here to, for you to help you be reconciled back to God. And so make peace with him first. Just as you are. In this place of deep pain and deep shame and deep guilt, just come. Come to Jesus today. In our South Campus, come to Jesus today. In our Grovetown Campus, come to Jesus. Those watching online, come. Make that step just as you are. I'm going to pray with you, but before I pray, the team's going to come around and sing one song, and then I'll come and I'll pray. Today, the Lord is here for you.
through your guilt, shame, bad mistakes, all of that, he says, come, just as you are, just as you are. Come home. Come home. Some of you have wandered way too long and too far. And he is saying to you today, you can come home. I want you to bow your heads all across the campuses and across this congregation. And just think about what's going on in your life. Is there anything that's keeping you from being the person God created you to be? Is there anything that you have not made peace with, with God? He's here today. And today we're going to confess our sins to him. And we're going to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives. And so if you have never accepted Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never asked for his forgiveness, if you've not been saved, today's your day. So just so that I would know who I'm praying for, I want you to slip up your hand and say, Marty, I want you to pray for me today. Yes, across anybody else? Yes, all across this room, across Grovetown, across South Campus. Yes, still others. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? Father, I thank you so much because we sense your presence here in this uh, service. And God, I know you're doing a work, and I am standing in the gap. I am praying for these individuals that are saying, God, I need help. I need strength. I need to be forgiven. I've made mistakes. God, you know their story. And Lord, I ask that you would move today as they pray. So if you'd like to pray this prayer, say, Jesus, say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, forgive me. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your presence. I receive what you have for me. Now, Father, not only do I pray for individuals that are making a decision to follow you, but I pray for those that have wandered away and those that are recommitting their lives today. I pray for families that are in crisis. I pray for couples that are uh, in um, conflict. I pray, Father, that you would bring peace into our lives and let us sense that peace. And today, Father, we receive what you have for us, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.